0: Well, we want to make sure that uh, we welcome everybody into the room, not only the folks here in the auditorium, but those in the video venue and those who are online. Uh, let's join together, welcome them, and let, let them know we're really glad you guys are with us this holiday weekend, uh, we continue in our series of the Word to the Wise and understanding what godly wisdom and godly trust is all about on this particular weekend. And it's interesting that I got a chance to talk about trust. This last week in our small group, uh, we had a real neat kind of experience. Uh, as Jim mentioned, uh, the great student ministry and kids ministry, the last couple of weeks have gone on, has been absolutely incredible. But our small group is, uh, most of us, well, all of us are grandparents, so we now only pray for our kids, pray for our grandkids. And on Tuesday night, we found out that one of the granddaughters, a gal named Halo, uh, Greg and Karen Reed, their granddaughter was uh, being baptized. Halo is just a cool name, though, isn't it? Uh, and, and she was being baptized, so we break our curfew and come here at 9:30 at night. And and uh, we we did feel like we're kind of chaperones at a prom and the after prom, all sorts of activities going on. But to celebrate her baptism was just absolutely incredible. We'd been praying for quite a while. We'd been trusting for quite a while, like we do with our kids and grandkids, that God would touch their heart and life. Now, the interesting thing was, in our life, uh, our daughter's trying to adopt a little boy. She's had him fostering for five years. His name is Isaiah. We call him Zay. And uh, we get a call at 2.30 in the morning that the court date did go good, and it looks like things are going to be fine on the adoption. So that was a huge thrill uh, for us. So between uh, Halo and Zalo, it was just a great week for all of us in celebrating, but it's all based on trust. It's all based on our prayers and saying, God, we trust you. We don't know what's going to happen, but we entrust our family, our kids, our grandkids, and those around us to you. Now, the verse that we look at today in Proverbs chapter 3 is very familiar, I would imagine, to a lot of us. It simply says we're to trust. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Would you say that with me while it's still up on the screen? Let's say it together. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your path straight. Now, it seems like a simple strategy to me. It seems like that's more than just 25 points for your team at Vacation Bible School for memorizing that verse. It it seems like it's real easy. We're to trust God. We're to trust him with all our heart. We're not to lean upon the things that we intuitively feel and, well, I think this, I've always thought that, I've heard that. No, be careful, God says. Don't trust your gut all the time on all of that. Trust me. And then he says we need to go from private to public. Acknowledge him in all your ways. See, that's sometimes where we fall down. We don't always acknowledge God. We kind of trust privately and hope and wish. And God says, you trust me publicly. And then I will make your path straight. You've heard Romans eight twenty eight. Most of us have heard that for a long time. If we've been in and out of church, we've, we've heard that God works all things together for good. For those who love him and are called according to his purpose. He will straighten your path. I love what Larry Osborne says. He's a preacher out in San Diego. He says, always remember, never forget, God draws straight lines with crooked sticks, okay? He does that. Uh, Look at your neighbor and realize they're one of the more crooked sticks you've ever seen, all right? Yeah. There's something about understanding that regardless of what we've done, where we are, God will use us. No matter what. So as we dive in on this today, I want to encourage you to sometime read beyond this passage. If you have a, a, a Bible and you're in Proverbs 3, uh, particularly uh, you know, if you're, you're home following along, a lot of everything we talk about, of course, will be on the screen. Uh, but this won't. It's just a little added part in verses 7 and 8, 9 and 10. Proverbs Solomon just goes right on, and he says you need to understand if you and I are going to trust God wholeheartedly, if we're going to refuse to be self-reliant, if we're going to acknowledge him publicly and he's going to straighten out the path, here's what else has to happen. And he says basically in verse 7, you can't be totally dependent upon yourself. you got to get over yourself. In in other words, for us to trust God effectively, and then he adds to that, healing and strength are gonna come to you if you quit worrying, if you quit manipulating, if you quit listening to the wrong people. He says, if you trust God and obsess over him, he'll bring back the healing. He'll bring back the strength in your life. He goes on in the next couple of verses, 9 and 10, and says, by the way, honor God with your wealth. Now that's a way to trust God, If we hold on to everything that we have financially, what happens is we all of a sudden think, you know what, I can make this on my own if I can just make some good decisions and have a little bit of luck. No, God says, You honor me, and then your barns will be full of grain and your vats will be full of wine. Sounds like appetizers and happy hour all together. But He says, You got skin in the game. Don't just say, yeah, I kind of trust. No, he says, no, you make sure, don't obsess over yourself how you've got everything under control and show God that you don't have everything under control by the way you honor him and trust him and give back to him. Now, I want to add to that a little bit beyond this great passage of scripture of trust in the Lord with all your heart. I want to add some of Jesus's words because when Jesus begins to teach in the New Testament, he He begins to push the disciples and the crowd to deeper thinking about belief and faith and trust. And in Mark 11, here's what he says in this short passage. Now, to give you a little bit of background, he has just entered into Jerusalem. The triumphal entry has happened. And he's come in and the Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. The palm branches. And this is his final week to really move right towards the cross very directly and his teaching intensifies during that week. He sees a fig tree and it doesn't have any fruit on it. It's got leaves but no, no figs and he comes up and it doesn't have figs and he curses it. He just says, may you never have any uh, uh, figs again. The next day, the disciples and he are walking by, and here's this fig tree, and it is down to nothing. Not just the leaves are gone, the, the roots are all diseased. And the, one of the disciples says, hey, Lord, you really did a number on that tree. I mean, we thought a couple of leaves would fall up. No, you took it completely out of the game. And then Jesus says these words. Now, the reason you need to know that set up is to allow this trust, this encouragement to have faith in him, take a little deeper root in us. Jesus said to his disciples, Have faith in God. I tell you the truth, you can say to this mountain, May you be lifted up and thrown into the sea, and it will happen, just like he cursed the fig tree and it died. But you must really believe it will happen. Have no doubt in your heart. I tell you, you can pray for anything. And if you believe you received it, it will be yours. But, now listen to this. But when you're praying, first forgive anyone you were holding a grudge against so that your Father in heaven will forgive your sins too. Wait a second, I thought we're talking about trust. I love to talk about trust and faith in God. What do you mean I gotta talk about forgiveness? (laughs) What do you mean I gotta talk about letting go of grudges that I have in my heart? And Jesus said, if you want the mountains in your life to move, if you say you have a great trust, then as you pray with that trust, he said, make sure you've forgiven everybody in your heart so that your Father in heaven will forgive you. And it might just be this weekend, that is the mountain that needs to be moved in your heart and life and mind. Is forgiveness. Untying someone. Not holding them hostage because they weren't perfect 20 years ago or 20 minutes ago. Mountain moving trust and faith might begin on the inside of clearing our hearts out before God. Uh, When we were at Las Vegas, we had a a lot of fun things happen, a lot of stories, a lot of life change. And we hadn't kind of been around in a church that size, and, and certainly in an environment like that before, and uh, we, we began to realize God was doing something far greater than any of us in the process, just like he does anywhere, and what was really cool was uh, there was this uh, casino called the Hacienda, and uh, the church before we got there, Central Christian Church here in Las Vegas, they they had a big gathering, kind of like we did to set the table, except they didn't know where they're going to build, and they knew that the city was growing to the south east and they're right in the middle of it and it's going to the northwest and they had already decided they're going to plant a church in the northwest but they decided they would relocate in the southeast someday they just didn't know when and they got the core people together and said at the hacienda to find a place big enough for them all to come together and have a nice meal and they said we don't know what God's doing but he's calling us to to look for land And to make some plans, we don't have any land in mind, we don't have any plans in mind what the church looked like. We don't even know if we're supposed to keep the church and and let it be a second church that we help. But we have this desire in our heart. And those people wrote checks that night saying, we don't know what God's doing, but we're in, we're in, we're in, we're in. So then we come about a year later and we realize we're amongst a lot of people of faith, and we are part of uh, finding out where that land is and what the building's going to look like. And I come here before we actually get in it. But here's the cool thing. What happened was we wound up getting a piece of land out, uh, out east quite a bit in Henderson. And it, uh, it was called, uh, the area was right next to uh, uh, Pittman's Wash. Now that just sounds bad on any level, okay? And what it was was this big wash means it's got to have a lot of fill dirt to it. So, you can't build a church till you bring in a lot of dirt. In the meantime, back on the strip, they had decided to implode the hacienda, bring it on down. And we found out and made a deal with them that we could get the dirt from the hacienda for free if we could transport it over to build a church on. The mountain that that, that church had prayed on at a casino, was destroyed, taken down, and we got the free dirt, and God moves a mountain to build a church. And I looked back and I thought, where am I, you know? God wants to move a mountain in your heart and life today. And it will be directly related to how you trust and, and how you believe that he can do this If our hearts are right before him. Now, let me talk about some reasons, I think, that our trust suffers. Here's sometimes what happens. Number one is we have a misunderstanding of God and Jesus. I think in our life, we're so affected by the culture, sometimes we lessen that. Those uh, omnis, the omniscient, the omnipotent, the omnipresent, all those things that God is, he is all-knowing, omniscient, omnipotent, almighty, and all-powerful, and uh, omnipresent. He is everywhere, He's not in the trees, in the rocks. Be careful not to step on him. Not that type of a thing. He's over all that. He's created everything. But sometimes we don't allow him to be all-knowing, all-powerful, and always present in our life. And if our trust is going to be trust, wholehearted trust, not relying on ourselves, it's going to be that type of trust. 1 Corinthians 13. Paul says, you have to remember that now we don't know everything. He says, now our knowledge is partial and incomplete. We'll know more when the Lord brings things about. But right now, we don't necessarily have a full understanding. In Luke 24, I love this passage, tells the story of two guys on the road to Emmaus. And they're with Jesus. They don't know it's Jesus. He's just been raised from the dead. And they're walking with him. And he just comes up and he says, hey, how are you guys doing? And they said, "What?" Well, we're okay, but you don't know what's going on? Jesus says, tell me what's going on. He said, they said, you haven't heard that a guy named Jesus? And, we, and here's what they say. We had hoped he was the Messiah who'd come to rescue Israel. See, sometimes we miss the full extent of what Jesus wants to do in our life. They thought he was going to be a political leader. No, he came to save everyone, not just the Israelites. That Jesus modeled what trust really looks like. And sometimes in our life, it is really hard to trust God when we're going through a terrible thing, but there's nothing worse that that he went through that we could ever go through. And in 1 Peter 2, it says, when they hurled hurled their, their insults at him, he didn't retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to God, to him who judges justly. See, he understood and he gave us an example of how to go through suffering in difficult times and never let go of our trust. Well, what happens if we don't? What happens if we, like our culture, pretty much defect and say, let's kind of take prayer out of school 40, 50 years ago. Let's uh, change the rules on some of this. Let's remove God from the equation. Here's what Paul says in Romans 1 when that happens in a culture. He says, yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give, give him thanks. They began to think of foolish ideas of what God was like, and as a result, their minds became dark and confused, and our world is dark and confused today it is now much in here and even on a beautiful bright sunny holiday weekend the world is very confused about the truth of God and when you're confused about God himself you'll really be confused of who to trust and we'll have we'll find ourselves being plagued a little bit what I call a backstreet boys theology all right I don't know if 11:30 will hear this illustration. Matter of fact, you're fortunate that you get to hear it after last night. It's just simply this—the whole Backstreet Boy kind of a, a, a thought of uh, what what's that? I want it that way. <laughs> Tell me why. <laughs> so God says, "I want you to view marriage this way. I want you to view life this way. I want Ten Commandments. I want you to view respect with me." God simply says. I want it that way. You don't have to sing it. Don't try, okay? I can't even do it and be on pitch. But he just simply over and over through the Old Testament says, I want it that way. I want it that way. And what do we do? We just sit back and whine. Tell me why. You know, why do we have to do this, God? We sound like the Israelites in the wilderness here. God gives manna. You can have soap peas every morning with a little bit of honey. It tastes like, I, I would imagine. And what do they want? Now we don't want manna. We're tired of it, you know. But manna bread, you know, we got all sorts of manna muffins. We want some quail. We're tired of low protein. We want some of that. And God says, I want to prove to you I love you. I want it this way. I want it that way. And we say, tell me why. I don't think it'll make it to the 1130, but it is really something <laughs> we need to consider. Now, another reason is we have a lack of recollection of his promises. Sometimes in our life, we get so caught up in the stuff that's going on in the drama that we miss the truth of Scripture. Deuteronomy 31 says, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid or terrified because of him. For the Lord your God goes with you. He will never leave you nor forsake you God says when you go into the promised land when you go into a difficult situation wherever you are I will not leave you and yet sometimes if we were honest in our life we have felt like he was miles miles away from us how many could honestly say I know God loves me but sometimes he feels far away can anybody join me in raising a hand on that one 15 people it was only three last night me and my wife and somebody else, I think it was last night. We have to be able to acknowledge in our heart that there are moments that he feels distant only to realize he's not. Only to realize that we can trust him with our life, with our health, with our wealth, with our family, with our decisions, with everything. And lean upon his wisdom. Isaiah 26 Isaiah says, he'll keep you in perfect peace, those whose mind is stayed upon him. John 16, 33, Jesus says, in this world, you're going to have trouble, but take heart because I have overcome the world. You see, in some ways, we've lost our sense of direction. We've lost a sense of what, what really is true north. I, I really enjoy the moments I get with my dad. He's in the nursing home. He'll be 97 next month, just up the road. I'll see him this afternoon. I'll probably pick up a hot dog at Chillers on the way and have a hot dog out on the front, front porch at the nursing home. It's the 4th of July. you got to have a hot dog with your dad if you can. And uh, I'll guarantee you, if I would sit there and ask him like I many times do, I'd say, Dad? Which way is north? He'll point. He sees Highway 31 right there. He said, that way. (laughs) I mean, sometimes, Dad, which way is west? I just check in once in a while. He'll look, see where the sun is. It's over there. He doesn't necessarily know it's me. I mean, he pretty much knows it's me. But every once in a while, he'll think I'm his older brother who passed away years ago. And I can tell because he will say many times, "Uh, we better get out there and help Dad in the field. I said, don't worry, Pop. Everything's okay. Well, okay. And look at me and say, are we going to play ball this afternoon? I said, Dad, uh, what year do you think this is? Yeah. Yeah. I, just, I, just, I don't want to put any pressure on me. Just, what year do you think this is, Pop? He uh, said the other day, 1939? I said, no, no, no. He was, he's born in 24. He was 15 years old that day and I tried to be too <laughs> hanging out right with him he couldn't necessarily tell you all the other stuff but he knows where north is <laughs> he's farmer he can could, he could spot east, west, north and south really quick doesn't matter. and he'll gripe about the traffic out there how fast are they going out there I said well they're either trying to get out of Scottsburg get to Austin or trying to get out of Austin to get to Scottsburg dad I don't know But they're going, I said, the speed limit's 45. I bet they're going 60. Yeah, they might be, Pop. I don't know. I love every minute. Love every minute. But he knows the direction. And he has known a path that helped me and my sister. And he and my mom were so faithful and so gracious through the years to say this way. This way. This way. Proverbs 14. Solomon says, there's a path before each person that seems right, but it ends in death. I've been on one of those paths more than once. And I would imagine you have been too. And some of us right now, this holiday weekend might be on a path that it seems right. The relationship seems right. The habit doesn't seem that bad. The the thinking might be a little cloudy, a little foggy, but it'll probably be okay. Eve thought, it looks good to eat. I'm really hungry. This guy's telling me that I'll be like God. It, it is going to help me understand difference between good and evil. I've always wanted to know. And it seemed like the right direction for her, but it ended in death. Now, let me back up just for a moment to that Mark passage. Because in that Mark passage, let me just kind of recount it again real quickly, just, just uh, from reading it to you. Because when Jesus says that our trust has to be defined and that our faith in God is very critical, told his disciples, have faith in God, tell you the truth, say to this mountain, be lifted up, thrown in the sea, it'll happen. But you must really believe it'll happen. Have no doubt in your heart. You can pray for anything. If you believe you received it, you will. And when you're praying first, forgive anyone, you're holding a grudge against, so that your father will forgive you. It's a very powerful verse that needs to be reiterated in my heart and life and let me say today that as we examine our heart and life and the faith within us we need to know that faith speaks to the mountains in our life you may have a mountain in your life right now that needs spoken to in faith in trust wholehearted trust saying god I know I, I know I ask this all the time for you to be with me in this, be with them in this situation. I just got a text yesterday before preaching, and I found out I knew had one, had one funeral to do this week. Now I know I got another. Things can happen really quickly. Had another conversation the day before that. Thank the Lord. A person who was pretty bad in intensive care is a little bit better. Got another word the day before? another. I mean, it's all around us, and it's in your family, and it's in the life of the church. There are mountains that happen and and come about. Conversation or two last night after the service, uh, just with some folks and some kids that they have that are just overwhelmed with some of the tough stuff and the grief of life. And God says, when you believe in him and you trust in him, We have the right to be able to speak to the mountain in trust and in faith and watch God move the dirt from the hacienda over on the east side so you can build the church and build his kingdom. We have the right to be able to, and it has to be a faith that is a faith in God, not a faith in our faith. Sometimes we may say, well, I'm thankful for my faith. Well, I'm thankful for it too, but I'm thankful for God. Let's never have a faith in our faith, or the next thing that happens is we're worshiping our heritage. And, and we're thinking about how God has been, and he certainly has to do that again. He doesn't have to do a thing, but he gets to if we invite him to. Faith speaks to the mountains in our life. Faith believes God can move them. I remember in the 80s, uh, Rich Mullins wrote a song. It's only four measures long, a few words, and 16 beats musically. And it just simply says, Our God is an awesome God. He reigns from heaven above with wisdom, power, and love. Our God is an awesome God. 16 counts. It's all you have to say. That's all you have to believe and understand that God is going to see you through no matter what. He will move those mountains. Faith speaks. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, don't lean on your own understanding. And your faith and my faith will dwindle if we don't have the right view of God and we don't have the right fellowship with God's people and we don't allow his spirit to nurture us and transform us. And faith forgives. And sometimes that is the final frontier And I would ask what mountain is there God wants to move in your heart and life this weekend? It might be health, it might be wealth, it might be relationship, it might be a major decision or it might be a major hurt and woundedness that you or I have had that we need to forgive as He forgave us. In Acts 16, I love this story. Paul and Silas were in jail, thrown in jail because they cost some idol makers a lot of money. And that night, they're just, they're all beat up and they're singing hymns back and forth. And all of a sudden, God shakes the place with a jailhouse rock long before Elvis. And all of a sudden, everybody's free to go, but they're really not free to go. And the Philippian jailer in Acts 16, he looks and he sees and he thinks, my gosh, they're all gonna go free. I can't believe, though, it's happened now. I'm going to be held responsible, and he realizes he will be shamed. He'll be executed because under his watch, everybody escaped, and he pulls his sword. He's ready to take his own life. All of a sudden, Paul says, whoa, whoa, we're not going anywhere, and this this jailer lays down his sword, and he comes up to Paul and Silas, and he brings them out. Let me pick it up in verse 30. He brought them out, and he asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved like you? And they replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, you'll be saved, along with everyone in your household. And they shared the word of the Lord with him, with all who lived in his household. Even at that hour of the night, the jailer cared for them and washed their wounds. Then he and everyone in his household were immediately Baptized, and he brought him into his house and he set a meal before him and he as an entire household rejoiced because they all believed in God. He had a major mountain right in front of him and he thought his life was not worth living by something that happened in a heartbeat and God used some people to interrupt them. May God use us to interrupt other people who were right at the base of the mountain to remind them that God is capable of helping them get over, around, or through, or move the mountain itself. Now, when I look at that, I see a promise to believe and you'll be saved. I see a practice, they shared the word. I see a prompting, they were immediately baptized. And I see a party, they ate. (laughs) And they celebrated, they rejoiced. God wants rejoicing. He wants healing. He wants strength. He wants mountains to be moved in his name. But it will take trust. And trust will take faith. And trust and faith will take prayer. And trust will, ta- and will take call for faith and prayer and forgiveness. But it begins with trust. I grew up on the old hymns. I think 30% more people at the 945 did as well, according to other surveys taken. And I love the simple the simple truth of this plea of saying how sweet it is. I, I've wondered many times, I wondered what kind of a song it was that Paul and Silas were singing in jail. You know, I, I don't know what it would be, but it just might have been this one and would you just sing it one time through with me? Let it be a prayer. Let it be a petition to God to say, God, help my trust
1: and my faith grow and increase. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus Just to take him at his word just to rest upon his promise. Just to know the saith the Lord. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him. How I've proved him more and more, Jesus. Jesus, precious Jesus. Oh, for grace to trust him more. Oh, for grace to trust him more. Oh, for grace to trust him more. Oh, for grace. To trust him. We
0: repeated it four times. Did everybody get that? Oh, for grace. Oh, for grace to trust him more. Say that to your neighbor. Oh, for grace to trust him more. May we trust him fully this weekend. God bless you. Love you guys.